0: Kiel Bergen is author of the best-selling memoir, Wholly Unraveled, as well as Storykeeper for Dr. Jane Goodall. As a coach, she works with women around the world, helping them to draw their stories out of the darkness. As she tells me in this interview, we all have our stories to tell, and they all matter. To learn more, be sure to listen to today's episode of the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Well, Kiel Bergen, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Nice to be here.
0: Hey, my pleasure. So for people who may not know who you are, um, what would you like to share about yourself?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm Kiel. I live in a beautiful place called Boulder, Colorado.
0: Mm.
1: I am a storyteller. And more importantly, I love to bring the story out Um help people bring their stories out. Um, mm. And I what I really love about that is I have a firm belief that um, the stories that we keep inside that we're afraid to say out loud mm. are the ones that limit us. And so I like to hear the ones that people don't want to say out loud. And I think that releases a lot of shame and fear and uh, guilt, et cetera. So um, I've also done a lot of business stuff. I've taken one business public um, and then I work in third world countries, helping women to tell their story and working on vocal empowerment. Um, and uh, I love doing that. And then I have a business called B and I named it B so that, uh, it's really about being whoever you are. You can be mad. You can be worried. You can be happy. You can be joyful. You can be sensual. You can be whatever you are in that moment and you are Mm. accepted. And, and I also wrote a book once, uh, about, um, my own journey into healing and hope coming from a, a really extremely isolated childhood growing up in a Catholic cult Yeah. Uh, so I wrote a book about how I healed from that and became more on the spiritual journey not necessarily religious but spiritual journey right
0: and that's called Holy Unraveled
1: Holy Unraveled
0: nice little double <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> you got it you got it <laughs>
0: I'm catching on here
1: uh-huh.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about writing a memoir for a moment. Like, what what prompted you to do that?
1: You know, I started writing poetry, gosh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the emotions were just kind of seeping out at the edges of the paper. Um, I, w- I would be doing anything. I'd be doing the dishes and whatever. And a a line would come out at the strangest times. And so I think I was scared at first to write them down because a lot of them were about my trauma and about the abuse that happened to me. And then I just started writing them down. And as I was writing them down, I was leaving them all over the house. And um, my husband, my husband at the time, bought me a beautiful linen box and said, put them all in here. And so I started putting them in there and then the box started filling up Mm -hmm. and I had been working with women in third world countries to help tell their story for 25 years. And then I looked at myself in the mirror one day and thought, well, I haven't told my story. And so I got that box out and I started working it through, um, through all the pain. And at the end of the day that became wholly unraveled.
0: Yeah. So what does that bring up for you to, to go there knowing that you're creating something for others to read?
1: My whole why, which I believe is fundamental to any business or anything you start, is you have mm-hmm. to answer, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And my why is, I really believe in the power of storytelling. And my why was, we all have to tell our stories and they all matter especially like i said the ones you don't want to say out loud because those are the ones that really need to be in the world yeah and i had to go through a tremendous amount of trauma and my goal is to take that trauma and make it into something beautiful for other people
0: yeah yeah that's beautiful and you know i noticed looking at reviews for the book it's like the conversations you'd expect come up through the reviews how people react right i don't, do you read your reviews
1: i do read my reviews i i love connecting with my uh with my readers so yes i read i can't say i've read every one but um i've read a lot of them and my bummer is i wish i could talk to them i would yeah. love to talk to my readers
0: yeah well that's yeah maybe you can <laughs> yeah yeah Maybe
1: I talked to a lot of them on the book tour and the NPR tour. And I still show up on zoom whenever anyone wants me to, because really that's, that's what I love the most is the the connection with the people and hearing, thank you for writing that because now I was able to, and then fill in the blank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw like this dichotomy in the reviews of like, you know, everybody related to it it seemed who were more comfortable reviewing but you know some were grateful and got the idea that you need to share your story to normalize it and it seemed like others you know maybe felt like it it showed too much mm-hmm. you know which is interesting because in that as a fiction author you know that's that's your goal is to show and not tell right mm-hmm. <laughs> to achieve to achieve that emotional resonance and connection and
1: you know. Absolutely but I I also honor the the reviews that say this was too much because that person wasn't ready yet. Yeah. That person had something happen to them and something I wrote triggered that and they're not ready to hear or read or see anything like that and so that's their journey and so
0: yeah
1: I mean I had to do years of years and years of emdr therapy to Mm. be to heal enough to talk about what happened to me
0: yeah what's emdr stand for
1: oh emdr oh gosh it's the most incredible for me it was the most incredible trauma therapy it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing
0: yeah and like does it that feeling of readiness to tell your story does it like come like in layers as you do the work or
1: i think that's a great question i absolutely think it comes in layers again starting from poetry and just saying i am uniquely qualified to write because i was told i have no voice Mm. that was one of my first lines of a poem i wrote Mm -hmm. and that Helped me because th- then I was like, "Wait, I can maybe I can write." It took me years to call myself an, a writer. Mm-hmm. That sounded like it was going to be way out there, and now to say I'm an author is just this whole other level of amazement to me. And um, so, definitely in layers. Definitely patient with yourself. Um, m- my first version of Holy Unraveled, I wrote the whole thing, my story done put it away, didn't know what I was going to do with it. And then I thought, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll write a few chapters at the end that are fiction, and then I can call it a fiction book. Mm. Because I was scared to put my story out there. It's very vulnerable to put yourself in the world like that. And then I realized I'd be a fraud if I did that. So um, I, took, I took those last three chapters out that were kind of silly anyway, <laughs> and I uh, sent it to my agent and said, here we go. So...
0: Yeah. And did, did you already have an agent at that point? Like how did that unfold?
1: I actually gave it to my agent with the fiction in it. Mm. I I sent it out um, and to some people with the fiction in it. And then I, and then I scrapped it and then I said, okay, here's the real one. And then I really got serious about getting an agent and sent it out. And what I loved is that I didn't tell anyone in the beginning that it was a memoir and, Um, my agent who's in LA said, is this a real story? Mm -hmm. I thought, Oh dear. I said, yes, it is. And, and she, so we, she's my agent and we worked together and she said, I want you to go away for six months and think about, are you ready to have this in the world? Mm. And I thought that was great advice. So I did that. I waited for six months, um, thinking about all aspects of it. And I came back with, I cannot ask other women to tell their story if I'm not going to tell mine. Mm. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. Now it's international, so I'm going to that back.
0: <laughs> well, and so I imagine there are fears, you know, both imagined and legitimate about putting something out like that. And so, you know, to not sugarcoat it, like what did happen as a result of putting that out there?
1: Uh, let's see. Amazing things happened. Amazing. I was not in touch with my family of origin at the time the book came out. I hadn't had touch, uh, based with them in years, eight mm-hmm. years, maybe, um, except for my youngest brother who I adore and his beautiful wife and kids, but he's not in the book. Um, so let's just say they're, um, I've heard they're not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very difficult to think you can spill the family secrets and then not have repercussions. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready for that. And I was, um, but also something beautiful happened. A lot of beautiful things happened, but something beautiful in my family was that my youngest brother came to me at first. He said, I'm not going to read it. And I said, absolutely. Don't feel any pressure to read it. And then several weeks later, he, it was actually on a uh, Marco Polo, a video chat. Mm. And he said, thank you so much because you just explained a part of me Mm. and you answered all the questions that I didn't know how to ask. Amazing. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. But, you know, you have to be ready that it's it's going to be both. It's going to be positive and negative.
0: Sure. Sure probably things come up (laughs) that probably require more support as well but absolutely yeah it's never easy or simple is it
1: (laughs) absolutely not and you know what it wouldn't be as rewarding if it was right
0: yeah okay so you you kind of backed yourself into putting this out there in a sense right because you were asking other people to tell their stories so can you talk Mm -hmm. about that work and how it came about and and why.
1: Absolutely. I there's two parts of it. There's my nonprofit work and then there's my business B. Um mm-hmm. I'm going to focus a little bit about B. Um it came about because I myself was going through a tremendously difficult time um walking through a devastating divorce uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I've got to get off the ground here. This is, this is not okay. Um, because I'm strong, I'm resilient, but this, it really took me down. And so I decided to go to <laughs> the Grand Canyon and I decided to hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and leave my marriage there and then climb out to my new life. Mm. And I was fearful, fearful. I was, I didn't feel deserving or worthy. Um, And I was going with 11 other women. I had no, I didn't know.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I went and what happened was so beautiful through the crazy physical, hardest physical thing I've ever done, but we got there and there were more challenges. We got to the Grand Canyon and we heard that there was a a government shutdown and we wouldn't have access to rescue Uh and we wouldn't have access to the restrooms and we wouldn't have access to the water stations. They might not be full. And we had to sign our life away and say, we're going anyway. (laughs) And I was like, what am I doing? Um, This is crazy, but we went anyway. And even that, just that, Trusting in myself, knowing that something was going to be on the other side of that, was so life-giving. And going with a group of women I didn't know, and know that I had to trust them, Mm -hmm. and know that, you know, we had to carry each other. At one point, one woman couldn't carry her backpack, and we had to carry it. We had to divide it and carry it. And I, some people ran out of water, and we had to share our water. And so out of that, I birthed B. Within three weeks of coming out of the canyon, I found out my book had sold to a major publisher in New York, mm-hmm. and I started B with someone who was on that trip. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and B is about curating 12 women at a time to walk through a six-month journey together. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to be going through a devastating divorce. Some people are as happy as can be, and they're learning how to be happy, <laughs> yeah so but it's when you put these 12 women in a room yeah magic happens and there's this beautiful accountability and there's trust and there's vulnerability and there's oh that happened to you too and you're okay that happened to me too so i hope that answers your question on some level
0: yeah definitely part of it and and I'm, I love that you put that together in a way that emphasized the cohort and not necessarily the facilitator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean?
1: I like, do know what you mean. One of the, um, literally one of our tenants for B is we are all the teacher and we are all the student. Yeah. It really just depends on the topic. I mean, I don't, I never, I mean, I know coach is a big word out there, but you know, we can all coach on some level. Mm-hmm. And we have to believe that in ourselves that we're capable of doing that. And once you believe that in yourself and you see that it's happening in this small group and you think, wow, I do have wisdom on this topic. Wow, my trauma can help somebody else. Then there's real there's real worthiness in that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like it's easier to facilitate something from that perspective. But on the other hand, right? Like, because... Otherwise, it's about my story and not about everybody's story in the room.
1: Right. Right. I'm so much more interested in other people's story than I am my own. I've already lived mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to hear about yours.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so tell me about the nonprofit work. Like, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, that was amazing. Um, Well, in the book, I talk about the book leaves, uh, after I have spent a long amount of time in silence at a kind of a Catholic commune, if you will. And there were 150 people in that commune and it was mostly silent and we had to work for everything we had. So I sheared sheep and I milked cows and I killed chickens Mm -hmm. and I, you name it, (laughs) I, I cleaned other people's handkerchiefs. I mean, it was, it it was a crazy, crazy year, Mm -hmm. but it saved my life. And when I left there, I was really um, I really had a hard time coming back into the world because I remember specifically walking into a grocery store and thinking why don't we have an entire row of bread we uh-huh. really just need bread we don't need 17 27 58 versions of bread just give me a piece of bread yeah. and and so I just kind of imploded a little of, of, of all of our choices. And mm-hmm. I had, I had the great good fortune of walking to my uh, na- to a neighbor's house and her name is Connie Ning. And she was there for me in a beautiful way. And she said, come to Vietnam with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went to Vietnam with her and I saw poverty. Like I had never seen because we got to travel on a humanitarian visa,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: means they couldn't tell us where we could and could not go. Even though they tried to,
0: yeah, yeah. And what did you see there? That
1: so we started a uh, organization called Friendship Bridge, which is microfinance for women, and loan them a hundred bucks, and they would pay it back with interest. And that money would go to the next woman.
0: Mm.
1: And it was amazing to see how resourceful and ama- and smart and capable and uh, resilient these women were. So we did that for uh, a long time, probably 100,000 borrowers or so. Mm. And then we started another one in Guatemala, same name, and that's still going. Uh, and we also put uh, education on top of that. And then we did another nonprofit called Maya Impact um, that empowers young women through vocal empowerment, through education, um, through all social collateral, uh, for them to be real leaders in the world. Mm. So we have both of those organizations.
0: Yeah. And so at some point you're doing this work and you haven't shared your story. Is is that where you're feeling you know, is it a subconscious pull at that point or are you actively aware?
1: Subconscious. I would say, I, I think I struggled to be honest, worthiness was just a str- such a struggle for me mm-hmm. for decades because I didn't get love from my dad. I got abuse and I didn't, I know my mom loved me, but she didn't protect me. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're not protected in not nurtured and not loved by the people the, the very people who should then it's yeah. hard to feel love from others yeah so it took me a long time to realize that i was worthy to tell my story
0: mm-hmm. i just like you know, honing in on this hard to feel love from others that that's like such a challenge you know we we dance around this one all the time in fiction Mm-hmm. right and you know and it, typically in the heroes or the heroine's journey but you know it's, sure. <laughs> but in in real life like like how do you how do you work with that how do you transform that
1: yeah that's a great question <laughs> the million dollar question uh for me it was through storytelling and emdr doing the therapy to say i am worthy Mm -hmm. There's not a person on the planet that you can't point to and say, how was your childhood? You know, fill in the blank, right? There's always, or how was your life? Maybe not your childhood, but there's something you can point to that changed that, that gave you this, this fundamental knowing of yourself. And that can be positive or negative, right? Yeah. But I I would imagine most people have a story in their childhood, whether it's the girl who didn't pick you in sixth grade or not making a team or what have you, but that sent a message of unworthiness Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And I think once you can identify what that was and say that out loud, you can say, oh, wait a minute, that, that, that needs to bring to the forefront to the consciousness so that i can say well that did happen to me and look at me now i am worthy yeah and i was worthy then i was worthy in that moment that i didn't get picked or didn't make the team or what have you Mm -hmm. you were worthy then yeah it's
0: kind of getting creating enough distance to see yourself as a or see your past almost
1: like well what would you tell your best friend right
0: yeah (laughs) well yeah
1: yeah we're telling messages to ourselves but our best friends would never say that about us so let's stop saying that about us and treat us as our own best friend
0: yeah yeah so how important was like was for the for your b tribe work b tribes um when you bring these women together for six months you know, obviously, obviously there, there's this oral st- storytelling that's happening. Are they encouraged to do other, you know, like hands-on or writing or other? Oh, things? yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, we, we kick it off. Well, I have two programs. I have a, a three-month program and a six-month program. I'll talk mm-hmm. about the six-month one because um, it's on, fresh on my mind now because I just rented the place in Mexico. So we kick it off at this unbelievable place in Mexico for four days. And the women fly in from all over. They don't know each other. And it's mm-hmm. fantastic. So we spoil them run while we're cracking their heart open. Um, mm-hmm. So they, you know, there's a chef and there's yoga and meditation. And I, I fly down a healer who's really, really amazing. Um, and she works with all the women. And we go through and we really, we get deep fast. And people are, you know, nervous at first. What's happening? What's happening? But all of the groups that have graduated have had such fundamental transformations in their life. And like I said, it could be, I've had people leave, you know, seven figure jobs and say, I can't do this anymore. Um, I've had stay home moms say, I finally love being a stay home mom. I've had people say I've made my money, but I don't know how to be peaceful and now they're peaceful. So it's whatever you want to work on. Um, and so we, we end those four days and then we have six months where we work together every other week and, I think our special sauce is, um, the curriculum of course, but it's also that we partner each, each woman partners with another woman twice during the six months. Mm -hmm. So you've met with everyone twice and you've done your, we call them musings and quests. Um, you do those with a partner the Mm. week in between when we don't meet. And it's really beautiful because you get that vulnerability and that heart connection. And you're working on some tough stuff. You're working on forgiveness and you're working on making amends to people. And you're working on what what are the unconscious patterns that no longer serve you. And you're working on agreements versus expectations with yourself. And so there's a lot of things that we work on. And then at the end of the six months, we come together again in the Rocky Mountains and we have another retreat where we just celebrate each other. Mm. it's it's so it's so magical
0: yeah yeah that sounds really cool like it would be addictive and also you know draining at times i imagine to to hold that so how do you like you know it's not really related to to storytelling necessarily but maybe it's useful to hear um how do you make sure you're going to have the energy to hold that
1: Mm. That's a great question. I've never been asked that. Um I, I am a holder. I am a sacred space keeper. I am a vault. Um I always wanted what I'm giving to women. Mm-hmm. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not it's not hard for me. It's it's innate for me. Am I tired at the end? Sure. Uh but I'm I'm not not really, I I might be physically tired because there's a lot of running around and stuff, but I am so much more me when I get to give that to a woman. So it fuels me. It doesn't take anything away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And is that, I assume there's something about that quality of the way you show up um, that, that was felt by, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to bridge this in, but it feels like a good time. So you have a relationship with uh, Dr. Jane Goodall.
1: I do. Um,
0: yeah. And, and I'm curious to learn more about that, like first how you met her, but then how you earned her trust. Um, mm, yeah,
1: that's great. Um, I love Jane I love her. And I feel so blessed to count her as a friend. Uh, I was just talking about this in clubhouse, actually, uh, Mm -hmm. how this all came to be. And it's kind of funny because really it was asking. It was, (laughs) I wanted to meet her and why, if not me, then who, right? Mm -hmm. It was one of those worthy things that that I really want to meet her. Can I meet her? Can I meet her? So um, we, we just, and when I say we, it was my husband at the time, um, and we just kept calling JGI and saying we, we would love to meet her. We would love to meet her. I would love to introduce her on a panel. I would love to anything. Give me something. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I got to do all of that. I, I got to. Uh, we we eventually said. Uh, had her for dinner at our house and I'm not a big gala girl. I I do love my nice shoes, but I, I don't love the gala scene, you know, let's do a big Mm -hmm. gala. So instead we, um, we kind of rented her for the day, right. You get like 12 hours and we committed to raising a certain sum of money. And so instead we just walked her around Boulder. We walked her to schools. We walked her to business. We walked her on the Creek path and just let people talk to her, um, And it was so i think it was life-giving for her to not be standing in front of a camera and taking 300 more pictures and you know um and so she really loved that and then we funded it with uh we just had 12 people at our house for dinner and everybody paid a high price and we enjoyed the outdoor we had it all outside and we only had a few tables and and she sat at every table, so every course she changed tables. And so at the end, everybody had a very personal interaction with her.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and then we went and drank scotch in my writing studio. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she read my book. She was one of my first readers. Yeah. Um, and I was scared to death to give it to her. I mean, I think I was shaking from head to toe. Will did, you read did it?
0: you did you bring it up during your scotch drinking time i or? did
1: i did yeah. well she was in my writing studio so it was perfect it was was perfect.
0: it easier to bring up then than after she expressed interest in reading it
1: oh yeah right it really was <laughs> 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 she yeah so but she she was so fantastic i mean she read it and she she actually did a, a um she's actually on the cover of my book you know the back jacket or mm-hmm. i guess um which was amazing so She gave me courage to put it out there, really. Why wouldn't you, right? And I was like, why wouldn't I? Right. Because if I don't, I haven't done my, I wouldn't have done my mission in life.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm.
1: And then I got to go, the greatest gift was that I, she kind of asked me to be her story keeper. Yeah. And so I went on a journey with her for probably two years of just... uh, sometimes I pinch myself uh, uh, that I got to do this, but she, she, we just went all over. I went, I went to Africa with her. Um, I got to sit with the chimps with her. Um, I stayed in her houses in Africa. Um, uh, her house in Gambia is, is so beautifully simple. I mean, I, I was standing there, we were setting up the cameras and et cetera, et cetera. Cause we, we were doing a behind the scenes as well. Yeah. And, um, and she, I said, Oh, Jane, where's the restroom? And, She's like, oh, yeah, go out the front door and turn left, and then at the second tree, you're going to see. And I thought, what? <laughs> she doesn't even have a bathroom yeah. in her house in Africa. So, um, you know, she's just, she's so real, and yeah. she's so down to earth. And I just feel blessed that I got to do that and meet her grandchildren and meet her son and interview them all. And um, it, was, it was really an incredible gift.
0: Yeah. What does it mean to be a story keeper? Wow. Or what do you think she meant? And then uh, after doing it for two years, what does it mean to you now?
1: Yeah. Well, so she used to, uh, towards the end, she, or, you know, maybe halfway through and toward the end, she said, uh, people would ask her a question. She would say, ask Keel. She knows my story better than I do <laughs> because I went deep. I mean, I, I optioned the book, mm-hmm. her biography book from Dale Peterson um, so I optioned that I interview, interviewed, him for days, maybe a week. And, uh, I knew, I knew I found stuff that, <laughs> that is not in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was pleasantly surprised or <laughs> just surprised. Yeah. Uh, but we, I found a bunch of stuff that, that wasn't out. And I, I asked her permission if I could, you know tell the world that story because i think we're all complicated human beings and yeah we all had hard decisions to make and yeah. when i presented the things i wanted to say to her or, or say about her and some of her decisions i was so incredibly impressed with her her response which was she said well keel it's all true yeah you know so i thought yeah. okay um and the only things she didn't want me to to divulge were things that protected other people which was impressive as well Mm.
0: so this links back to the very earliest thing you said which is you know the stories we don't say out loud Mm -hmm. right yes seems to be a a theme there
1: yes it is yeah
0: so what's what's happening with that work
1: um the stories that we don't want to say out loud
0: oh no um well that but um, as far as the two years you spent trailing Jane Goodall and oh, the option yes. on her book and all that.
1: So it will be, uh, it's currently under contract mm-hmm. and it will be the first feature film on Jane's amazing journey. Um, she, you know, there's been tons and tons of doc- documentaries, but there's not the feature film.
0: So it's a so dramatized kind of.
1: It will be. Yes. And it will be, <laughs> she's so cute. She says, I just can't imagine looking at the screen and someone else being me. <laughs> it'll be the first time that that will happen <laughs>
0: yeah is that with disney did, did I see? yes yeah well that's exciting
1: <laughs> oh yeah i'll say so <laughs> it's fantastic
0: yes do, do you remember the day that that became a reality
1: like... you know for me the reality of being able to be with her
0: is yeah.
1: better than anything yeah and i don't know what is going to happen with the Disney piece of it. So mm-hmm. um I just feel my, my moments are seeing the chips with her. Yeah. That, that's my moment. Yeah. Yeah. And meeting her beautiful grandchildren and um traveling with her. She's yeah. That those yeah. are my moments.
0: Yeah. It must be interesting to like spend that time. Cause you get to be, I imagine outside of yourself, you know, like truly leave behind your, routines and mm. and rituals and you know
1: yeah we slept on gombi beach we just yeah. slept on the rocks um i also slept in her house you know in her house that she and hugo shared yeah. um, but the last few nights i just thought i mean i need to be outside and just the baboons are there and I mean, it was just amazing it was incredible
0: well yeah and i guess what i'm getting at is you, when you leave behind your rituals and, and, you know, your habits, like, you know, did you learn something about yourself?
1: I learned that I love silence. I had Mm. known that from my time at Madonna house when I was younger, but I had gotten busy again. I had three boys I was raising and, you know, trying to write and, 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 and.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So to really just turn off, I mean, there was no internet there um to just turn it off and unplug and listen from the inside out and be with nature I mean walking in the jungle we walked to the waterfall that that Jane has written about a lot about seeing the chimpanzees um in their waterfall dance she calls it and we walked there and I just sat under that waterfall with the rain with the with the water hitting my head and it was just it was a spiritual spiritual experience for sure. Yeah, spiritual experience.
0: Your dog agrees.
1: Yes, that's my Xavier. I'm
0: sorry about that. That's all right. He's cute. Well, you were meant like you 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 did your year away in commune and um, imagining you know how you told me how difficult it was to kind of come back <laughs> from uh-huh. that. Did you have a difficult reentry from being unplugged?
1: Yeah. It was like baptism by fire. Yes. Um, like I said, I had three kids and, um, we were doing a huge house project and I mean, yeah, it was, um, a little bit of insanity, but you know, I work well in chaos. My, my (laughs) my childhood taught me that and, uh, it gave me that gift. I'll take that. And it gave me my intuition. So, um, but it was nothing like coming back from being silent for a year and coming back into this crazy world.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and because we had also gone to the UK to interview people, we had gone to um, Saint Martin to interview the the woman who actually chose Jane to be on the cover of Nat Geo, which National Geographic, which launched her mm-hmm. fame. So we had been all we went all over the place. Yeah, which has its own chaos,
0: right? I imagine so. Yes,
1: <laughs> and traveling with our film crew and. I got a shout out to Jeff Orlowski. He was, um, he was our, our uh, video and, and he was amazing. Jeff has recently done the social dilemma. Mm. The movie. Yeah. Seen it. It's fantastic. He did chasing coral and chasing ice. And so we got really close cause we hired him to go with us and film it all. So that was really fun too.
0: Yeah. Do you want to make more movies <laughs> or be involved in that process?
1: Well, I'm I'm actually in development right now to take Holy Unraveled to the screen. So that's, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So exciting! I mean, to yes. to see my story come on the screen, and I, I, I just I am I'm pinching myself to say the least.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you think the world would be different if we were able to tell all able to tell the stories? that that we keep silent and don't share
1: there would be so much more connection you know we're, we're living in this world where there's more ways to connect than there ever has been and yet we're more apart than we've ever had been yeah and there's more divisiveness than there ever has been and so i believe in my heart of hearts i believe it's if we could share our stories especially the ones we don't want to say out loud we would have a camaraderie and a connection and a, a oneness. Mm-hmm. And we would say, wow, that happened to me too. How did you get through it? Or compassion. If it didn't happen to you, you'd have compassion. Mm-hmm. And if it did happen to you, you'd have empathy. And there would be so much more peace and so much less divisiveness. Yeah. What do you think?
0: <laughs> I, I agree with with a lot of that. Um maybe all of it. <laughs> it's it's there's almost like in every culture it seems like there's undercurrents of like this battle, this tug and pull between and it's really about that. Yeah. And and like you know, what is it that that we're protecting by Enforcing silence.
1: Right. Well, I don't believe that you can. I I believe that anyone that has done anything terrible in this world or has done anything great in this world, they all have their story. And it's what you do with your story, right? Because Hitler has a story and what he did with that was atrocious.
0: Yeah.
1: And Bad things happen to him. And I, I, that doesn't give him just, a, never justify what he did. Yeah. But it's all about, yeah, bad things happen. And our responsibility when a bad thing happens is to try to make it into something else that can be of service to other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a key word is in there is worthiness, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: I imagine your story about, Your worthiness goes a long way toward your story about other people's worthiness.
1: Yes. Worthiness. Worthy is in my essence statement, which is who I am. I am worthy.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. But, you know, that took decades (laughs) and lots of money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. and
1: (laughs) It's like the pretty woman comment. And Richard Gere says, I am mad at my mother. And he's like, I am mad at my mother. And he said, took me $10,000 to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And and I love um, Flannery O'Connor, speaking of of authors. Um, He says, if you've had a childhood, then you have enough to write about for the rest of your life.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Because I meet a lot of people on the road and in my work that say, um, well, you know, I didn't have trauma like you did. But, you know, that's, that's not, it may be accurate in action, but your trauma, your worst trauma might've felt like my worst trauma.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and we don't know. And it's not rungs on a ladder that you're better or worse or my trauma's better or worse. And we're going to start, a, um, we're going to do a clubhouse on that. My uh, friend, Stephanie Arnold and I are going to do a clubhouse on um, that kind of concept of we're not no one Trump no one gets to Trump on trauma (laughs) yeah yeah
0: and even if trauma is not your word like there's the other word that starts with tr which is truth right and Mm. I think people get the message that owning their truth or sharing their truth could lead to them being ostracized right or absolutely um and shamed and that's not just a belief right that's that's often
1: true yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i love that that's a, that's beautiful yeah trauma and truth
0: there you go <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: want to do a clubhouse with me
0: sure on trauma <laughs> and truth <laughs> i say yes slightly but yeah of course i mean this is core to my message too and why you know we're talking on the fearless storyteller right and, right and you know Different people have expressed it in different ways. Like, if you're into comedy or writing comedy, you understand that a good joke contains, it's the truth plus pain, right? That's right, right, yeah.
1: What's something you don't want to say out loud?
0: What's something I don't want to say out loud? Something, I guess, that would hurt or compromise somebody else would be a big one. you know, I guess Jane Goodall shared that as well. But, you know, I've done, you know, a couple decades of unraveling and being mm-hmm. willing to expose more and more of myself. And the rewards have always been greater and greater,
1: mm-hmm. I feel. Well, there's nothing to hide. I don't have yeah. anything to hide.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's 2021. I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and I'm white. And I'm male (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I live in the United States and really just about the worst thing that can happen to me really is being shunned by Mm. people that I don't care about.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. There's always going to be someone who likes you and someone who doesn't like you, right? Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But I'm lucky in that sense, right? Like I can share my truth. I have the privilege of sharing my truth and I feel like I need to cash in on that. Mm. on behalf of people who can't
1: there's a responsibility i agree that's how i always felt about my nonprofit work is i need to be their voice because they don't have a voice
0: yeah and as soon as somebody wants to have it take their voice and use it great i'm not going to tell your story
1: right no that's that's when we've won (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) absolutely well so how has covid been for you
1: Hmm. I think like everyone else, it was a lot of pivoting. <laughs> I learned to not like that word very much. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was about to launch my tribes in Mexico in April. Yeah. Um, so I had to shut everything down. Uh, yeah. that was tough. That was really tough. And, um, what we did was come up with our three month program and we, we did it all on zoom, which was magical and fantastic and a whole different curriculum. And so now we have all new course, which is great. Um, it brought me closer to a lot of people, which, because I feel like you get your COVID cohorts, right? Mm, People that you were going to go through this with. And I got really close to them and it was hard on my kids that, that the the hardest thing for me was to watch my kids not have their childhood mm-hmm. and to sit inside rather than go to basketball practice. Yeah. And to, My kids were extremely nervous about their dad getting it because um, yeah. their dad felt compromised. Yeah. And so my two boys, my 15-year-old twins decided not to see anyone. Um, one had a cohort. He was allowed to see three or four people. The other one decided not to see one single other soul. And that was that's devastating to yeah. devastating, but thank God, um, my husband's now vaccinated and they're going to play basketball. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm so happy we're at the tail end of this. Yeah. Oh How was God. it for you?
0: Uh, yeah, I have a family, you know, I've got a wife and, you know, and a 20 year old from my, gosh, I can't use husband because it, it doesn't, Work. was wife. Oh, yeah <laughs> got a 20 year old son who i haven't seen since the pandemic started oh wow and a five-year-old daughter um, mm. who misses him very much and yeah. has also been pretty isolated you know we had a pod family for a while that we wow. did some yes. homeschool with and i think we're gonna very much appreciate each new layer of access, we get back to our communities for sure.
1: Absolutely. I flew to LA last, I was in LA all last week. And, uh, Oh, it was so wonderful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was another author and a executive producer, uh, and, a and then a Ted talk curator and the four of us had never met. Mm. And we descended on this house in the Hills and just, it felt so life-giving to be yeah. meeting people and to be talking and to not cook with the same people <laughs> <laughs> right. we didn't go we didn't even go anywhere we didn't go yeah. anywhere we stayed in the house and it was so lovely
0: probably people who were willing to show up and be present and vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah and just to be able to travel again I, I can't wait i get i go to new york tomorrow and yeah. i'm i'm a traveler i need to be on the road i i, I love home too but I uh, I love to, to travel, so it's great to be back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we get to road trip this summer to to visit some friends who have a baby who's six months years old. Six months already.
1: And um, that'll be fun. COVID baby. COVID baby. Yeah, yep. And then there's always the COVID and the COVID puppy. I got a COVID puppy, of course. Oh did he's now a year old. <laughs> but wasn't that funny? Everybody all of a sudden everybody had a puppy. There was like a run on puppies on the internet. It's like (laughs) I couldn't find the puppy. (laughs) And I ended up with the perfect puppy. (laughs) That's great. Well,
0: that's lovely. Um is there anything you'd like to share or promote before we're done? As far as how people can find you and your work?
1: Yes. Yeah. Please come find me on Instagram, Keel Bergen. Um, I love to I love to interact with people. So find us there. Um, you can find me at keelbergen.com. Um, I'm also just beginning on the clubhouse world, mm-hmm. which I'm really loving, and I'm Keelbergen there as well. It's nice to have a name like Keelbergen because no one else has it, <laughs> um, yes. uh, which is great. I had to change it to get it. But um, the, uh, the other thing would be Insight Timer. I, I'm a firm believer in meditation. And so I have a few meditations up on Insight Timer, which is a free app that you can download my meditations. Uh, I have ones for being where your hands are to help you be in the moment, Uh, a morning meditation. So you can check those out. And uh, we are starting a Bee Tribe in September. Uh, It's going to be the six-month version, so the two retreats. Twelve women. We're, it's highly curated. It's it's going to be amazing, and um, we just announced that it's opening for registration. So if anyone would That's like great. to, um, and it depends if we, yeah, it's really great. There's a if you go to Keel you'll see Bee Tribe's, mm-hmm. and you can contact us there. There's a little application, and then we put you in touch with our partnership team, and we're off to the races. Cool. And I'd love to meet anyone who would uh, would like to do that, and then of course, please read Holy Unraveled, so we can heal the world through storytelling
0: Mm. if you don't mind sharing i don't know if you must have are you doing a retreat kickoff for this one
1: we are doing the retreat kickoff september 30th through october 2nd
0: all right well you have to sell this a little bit then so you know for those of us who are motivated by sunshine and and Mm -hmm. all that so where where is this going to be
1: It is Riviera Maya, Mexico. I rent, and it's this beautiful, this time around, I'm renting this beautiful, beautiful hacienda. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's 16 bedrooms. There's five full staff. There's, uh, you know, you name it. You're going to, there's a pool. It's right on the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, I fly, you know, we do yoga and meditation in the morning. I said earlier, we fly down a a healer who's just fantastic named Zoe. Mm -hmm. And she works with each of the women on, on energetically what they would like to work on um and we go deep and we go deep fast and we really connect with one another and um it's amazing your heart gets cracked open in such Mm -hmm. a beautiful way um and we'd love to have you so put an application let's do it
0: yeah all right Mm. well keel bergen it's been a pleasure having you on the show
1: i really enjoyed meeting you thank you for having me
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.